So beginning again. Returning to our embodied experience. Establishing mindfulness. to breath and body and sensation. Taking a few deep breaths if that's helpful. Just steady and arrive more fully here into this space. And on the exhalation, just softening the jaw Dropping the shoulders, softening the belly. And the inhalation suffusing the whole body with the breath energy. Feeling the breath ripple through the lungs and then down through the torso and the arms, pelvic area, and through the thighs and the legs to the soles of the feet, rippling also into the head, the throat, the brain, shoulders. Suffusing all these parts of the body with awareness and breath. And the exhalation again, just softening through the body while feeling that holding and the strength and the rising through the spine, through bones of the body, quality of, of strength, of holding together, the muscles, the tissue. Seeing the ground beneath us. Feel that through the sensation of sitting. It's a stronger sensation. Also connecting with that to help ground and connect. Steady.
Establishing an attitude of, of kindliness, of receptivity, of patience with the body and heart and mind. So deeper listening and receptivity to what's actually here, what we're with. You can just notice your mind state and feeling tones. Is, uh, what the mind state is, is, is like. Is it more neutral, just simply present? Is it tinged with a, a feeling of, uh, of longing or wanting? moving away or resistance to what's here. Uh, irritability can be very subtle or aversion. If there's any a sense of being a bit restless or a bit dull, anxious, not sure. Maybe expansive, calm, peaceful, uplifted. See, so we can have an overall sense of what is felt, what is experienced, the state of body, the mind, being, what that's tinged with. And just the simple knowing of this is how it is, this is what's being experienced. And if it's uh, helpful, if it feels like that's a supportive thing to do, to inquire, how is this? What is this? What is this experience? How is it felt? What is the shape? What's the experience in the body? What is the sense of self that arises with that? Is there any narrative or thoughts? before assuming immediately this is me, this is what I am, what this experience is, just seeing it more through the lens of anatta or just the space around what is experienced and through the lens of investigation. Just how is this? Is this uh, changing or is it permanent? What's the shape? 
How's it felt? Whereas in the body, where does the state felt in the body? This gentle inquiry. His mental activity. It's noticing thinking. This is uh, thinking processes. What's the quality of thinking? Maybe distracted or expecting something or planning or whatever kind of quality of thinking. And, And who's thinking this? Who does this belong to? This thought form, this narrative. There might be something quite subtle or maybe a stronger experience, a state of mind. Is there the experience of dukkha present, even subtly, some unsatisfactoriness, dissatisfaction? Or just dukkha dukkha. The mind is maybe quite peaceful, but there's just uncomfortable sensation, feeling in the body, can't do much about. Just exploring these territories very gently, by being willing to, to look at what's here, to know what's here. To reflect this, Kirisara mentioned the other morning, this yoni so manisakara, this bringing into the, the heart, the womb, the matrix of awareness, the phenomena that is experienced as it is presented, presenting itself. Through the lens of anicca, dukkha, anatta, And if we feel very scattered, appalled, too steady to come back, take a a breath, be with the breath. So steadying, releasing, calming. So as Ajahn Chah said, this, this practice of Samatha, Vipassana, it's like you pick up one end of the log, the other end is going to be picked up as well, that they, they come together. There's samadhi, this calming, this gathering, this focusing, 
And then this inquiry, this Dhamma Vijaya, this looking into the nature of body, mind. What is its nature? Not getting so absorbed in the in the content and why that content is there and why is this happening to me and what should I do about this and and how I'm not doing well because this is like it is in this particular way but being interested more in the, the construct the shape the how is this felt how is this changing what is the experience of a mental state? This inquiry, to, through the inquiry, beginning to create some space around what feels initially very much up me and very sort of stuck. And then activating some reactivity, getting absorbed or resistant what is so in this way again as Ajahn Charles said if there were no hindrances there'd be no path so today we, we will be experiencing some of the hindrances they'll, they'll be with us unless we're here to sort of bless everyone <laughs> Mind's already free, in, that, in, if, in which case that's wonderful. But for the most part, most of us, I can safely assume, <laughs> is going to experience some form of wanting and desire, some form of aversion and not wanting and resistance, some form of uh, restlessness and agitation, some form of dullness and I just want to go to sleep. Just going into this slightly soporific, um, dullish state that we could call samadhi. I think we can get quite good at that as meditators. Just <laughs> in the monastery, often people, you know, in the first year or two, be a lot of passion, a lot of heat, a lot of you know strong states, and then after a few years, everyone's just nodding all the time. You know, just sort of like, it just goes into this dull territory. It would be quite hard, actually, to get some effort to really be interested in how to climb out of the, the mud of the mind. Because it's sort of a little bit peaceful in a sort of way. It's not, it doesn't really have clarity. It doesn't have agility or investigation. So to be watchful for that sort of hanging out in those spaces and being willing sometimes to bring forth a bit more energy to, to actively investigate. Or there's going to be what's called doubt or anxiety or just being consumed by thinking and being very um, involved in those thoughts Am I doing this right? It's going wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have done the month. Maybe maybe I shouldn't even be doing Buddhism. 
well, not Theravada anyway. It's, it's pretty <laughs> unexciting, really. You can just, you know, this way that the mind moves into, uh, maybe I need to read someone who can tell me what's going on here. So you can just start to see this is the mind in doubt, this is the mind in, this is the experience of, of dullness, switching off. This is the experience of being caught in agitation and restlessness. It would be very subtle. Just looking, the mind scanning, looking, energy of the body, aroused and restless. This is a mind in a sense of resistance. It's not necessarily hatred, but it can have that feeling of, of just subtle sense of ill will, of not really... Really wanting to be here as well, and sort of connected with the whipper we're done here in the second noble truth. Uh, the desire, at some level, can go introvertedly and connect with this deep sense of I, I don't really want to be here, I don't want to exist, I don't want to feel anything, which is natural. I think there's good reasons why that can be felt, but just to know this is also an aspect of the hindrance. And, uh, or the or desire itself, you know, it's, it's a bit different than when that's transmuted into uh, into interest and effort and passion around the practice. But when it's just you get fueled, I, I want to get somewhere else. And it's not good enough. Um, I need a different kind of state of mind. I need more peace. I need more wisdom. Or, these kinds of ways that we talk to ourselves that undermines our practice, undermines our being, undermines our well-being. And one can just know this, this is the mind in, in a shape, in one of these shapes, one of these hindrances. And saying last night just to know, first of all, know this is how it is. And then from that knowing, an interest, how is this actually? How is this operating? How much allegiance do I give to this state? How much do I believe in it? And and then exploring what is happening here, where the space is in it, what way can I, what medicine is needed? There's a lot of desire just, uh, just to, to, to contemplate simplicity, letting be, letting go. If there's a lot of aversion, just softening, accepting, metta, kindness to self and other. There's a lot of confusion and thinking, focusing a bit more, putting a bit more effort into actually generating a bit more focus with the breath, counting the breaths, maybe with five breaths. So being some agility in responding to what's arisen, not just hanging it out there, but actually actively investigating. This is changing. What happens if I break this down a bit more, this thought form? It's saying you are, you are not doing, I am 
not, I'm not succeeding at this. <laughs> or I'm a hopeless case. You can slow that in, a, in a, our teach in Sumedho, say, slow the thought down, the most awful thought, slow it down. I am a hopeless case. <laughs> it does, it makes you laugh because it's like, okay, <laughs> give me another one then. Give me another thought. But when it just flicks in the mind from those very deep old patterns, we immediately get shaped by it, immediately give it energy, immediately it shapes us. And generates the thought and the sense of self, that configuration arises. The sangsara, dukkha, struggle. Some of these sankara, these patternings that we're with, and a lot of what we're with is that, actually, what hasn't been fully digested, integrated, released, seen, healed, will arise. The space comes. What is needing to be seen will come in. A lot of our practice is actually being patient with old material that hasn't yet come to completion. Jen Char talked about that's like 70 cents 70% 70% is, you know, just roughly, is, is like being with that place that's, that's constricted. That dukkha, or that's not really able to let go, that's in one of those patternings. And then that 30%, the release, going back to that frame from the Buddha, is what happens, that releasing and letting go, that patinisaga, that handing back, is what starts to happen more organically, according to its own nature. So a lot of the time we're, we're giving a lot of patience and this inquiry to the patterns that we're now, at this point of the retreat, becoming familiar with. The habits of the mind. The tendencies that we have. And some of them are just sort of niggly and they just, the mind goes there and familiar, it's so familiar that it's just a part of the fabric of who we are, so we might just need a little bit more effort to see those kinds of distracted thoughts, you know, just drifting off to worry about something. And then we can look how how we hold that worry. Maybe someone in our family, maybe a project, maybe something that's upsetting us. We can look at that. But some of these patterns, some of them are just like emotional flavor that feels very familiar. You know, how we experience our energy body like this. We can just bring that knowing. And I had for, for many, many years my deepest sankara, one of them, there's quite a few, was this vipuwa tanha, this feeling of, I don't really want to be here. Uh, very deep, and it was so so been so deep that it would basically just be me. That's who I am. 
And then just feeling reluctance, feeling like I want to disappear, don't want to be seen. And of course, the other side of that is actually a part that feels upset of not being seen. <laughs> it's a com- these complexities of the structures of the psychology of the mind. <clears throat> a bit depressed. At its depth, it was actually quite um, quite violent towards the self. You don't deserve to be here, actually. Those kinds of voices. Who do you think you are? And, uh, I remember one day um, I was teaching in South Africa and one night, I'd uh, given a teaching, and then when I walked out, it wasn't, I mean, you know, it's, I think Kitty Sarah says, it's nothing like giving a Dharma talk to make you feel suicidal sometimes. It's not a sense of self that comes up. It can be quite fierce, you know, like self-judgment, and that went well, or it didn't went well, or all the different shapes that, you know, that you kind of move into. Um, you have to, if you're, I know some of your training in an RR Dharma teachers, you, you know this territory, how the mind will go into so many shapes. The sense of, if you want to see the sense of self and give a Dharma talk, you see your pattern. I, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> I really don't want to do <laughs> And, or like, I really want to, you know, want to be, yeah, I'm great, you know. <laughs> So anyway, I walked out of this talk and this voice was so violent. It was like, you know, you know it was because in my estimation, it, it really didn't go very well. It was like you, you, you kind of deserve to die. It was like an executioner voice. And it was so real. It was, uh, but I had, the, again, the, that mindfulness to hear that and go, wow, look at that. But the feeling with it, you know, sometimes what we call the, the unbearable the unbearable wound to being. And underneath some of these voices and these states, there's these unbearable wounds, these unbearable feelings that are in the psyche that are hard to tolerate, so we don't actually touch them. So that night I could feel underneath that, the, the, that feeling you know, a deep feeling in the self that there's no, you don't have a right somehow. I'm sure it was very epigenetic. I'm sure it was very ancestral. And for me, being willing at that moment, the mindfulness just not to be seduced into that as a reality, as a description of who I was or what had happened, but to just go feel the feeling in the feeling underneath the pattern is the second foundation of mindfulness just be with these sankharas to gently, kindly ah feel the feeling where is this in the body how is this found just staying there not having to fix it not having to sort of radiate out lots of kind of I'm going to send out lots of chi or good feelings. She can do, and that can be very, very powerful, but the subtler form of metta, 
which literally mechi to soften, means to soften, is, is to soften around these old patterns and to hold them like you would hold a, a very distressed being, child, baby. You just hold that and hear and take time and be willing to touch with an open awareness, attention patterns, these deeper patterns that, that can come into focus. And some of them can arise, it can have a little bit of a shock or a trauma effect, you know, as a space is created. It's like a, our teacher, Ajahn Sumedho, in the monastery would call, uh, this practice is freeing the prisoners of consciousness. Those parts of ourselves that we don't really want to experience. And it's in the collective. So again, firstly, we take it very personally. But maybe when I walked out of that room, it was partly personal, but maybe I was feeling what's in the collective. That can also happen. It can be a bit confusing sometimes. It's not always a true understanding to just immediately assume this this is all about me. The meditator being open in this, an open space, so what comes to meet us it can be ancestral, it can be collective, it can be familial, and can be personal, and a mixture of all. So sometimes some of the things that can come up, we can uh, feel an affect, you know, freeze or shock or destabilization through the body, through the system. It can be very strong and very undermining. So it's very important at those moments to, to, be, to flag up. This is a, a territory that needs extra care, not to just push through, not to judge, but extra care, and that we don't have to go right into the middle of that feeling if it's intolerable, that there are ways of opening out the awareness to negotiate with the, with, with the mind what, what's important, what will be helpful here, what, what's needed here. Maybe I need to just stay sitting, maybe I need to take a walk, maybe I need to lay down and just put the palms gently on the heart or the belly and just breathe deeply and take a lot of space. Maybe I just open my eyes, open my awareness and hold to what is supportive here. I'm in a safe space. I feel the ground. I feel others here, community practicing kindness, each each other supporting each other. Go to a place in the body that feels connected, the soles of the feet, the sensation of the ground, the palms of the hand. So then one just stays at the periphery of what's felt. So one can move in and out, move this sort of agility of how we work with presenting conditions, patterns, sankhara, as they arise, being very patient with some of them. Some of them have had a lot of energy over a long period of time. 
Interesting, just that the power of awareness itself is holding that empty hand, metaphorically, of attention to receive what's felt, where the pattern arises, how that is, to investigate aspects of it, the thought forms. If we come from the place, I've got to change this, I've got to work this out, then... You know, in some ways it becomes a proliferation. We're just holding the power of attention, awareness. And in and of itself, it starts to alchemically change, heal, shift, dissolve, release. There's images sometimes when those things come up, like the prisoners, orphans of consciousness, we just sort of push them back down, back in the dungeon. I don't want to feel this isn't about, doesn't fit my image of being a meditator. I just feel rage. (laughs) You know, I'm a nice, sweet, spiritual person. Not a, a rageful person that wants to sort of destroy everything. But we can feel anything, actually. The whole range of consciousness what can be felt and experienced. So anatta, don't take it too personally. It's dukkha for sure, knowing the dukkha. Anicca, it's in a process of change and just holding in that awareness, little by little, these beings are looking for liberation. This is the subtle bodhisattva practice, just subtly liberating the beings of our own mind, of our own psyche, through the power of just holding kind, patient, persistent attention to how it is, when these, particularly when these patterns arise or a hindrance arises. And then one day something, some similar trigger will happen and where before you might have been completely upset, completely overwhelmed, completely destroyed in some way or another, it touches the mind, you feel, you feel it, and then it dissipates very quickly. Like a ghost that just moves you, like a shape that you know it's familiar but it doesn't have the power in it anymore to catch you. This practice, although it's very uh, subtle in a certain way and demands a certain persistence, it also has a great power in it to, to free. This is the freeing aspect of the practice. Freeing the heart, freeing the mind, and freeing the body from old, dysfunctional, energetic patternings and narratives. Allowing the jitta, the heart, to return to its own nature, Then to recognize this abiding, being the Dharma, being the awareness as our refuge, knowing the patterns without becoming them. This is what Ajahn Lee, another great forest master, called change of lineage. 
no longer being compelled to wander the realms of samsara through these various shapes and forms, but returning back to the heart. As he said, when the mind gains, gains change of lineage knowledge, which passes from the mundane over to the transcendent, it will see what dies and what doesn't. It will blossom as Buddha, the awareness which knows no death. Patiently, kindly, persistently, breath by breath. Letting the practice unfold today. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.